Hello, Emerging Cricket fans, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. We have part one of our special with Scottish duo Catherine Bryce and Carl Kutzer this week. But first, a shout out to those who support us on Patreon. From as little as $2 US a month as a patron, you can access bonus content and Emerging Cricket and have a say on our show's direction. To sign up, log on to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy this week's show. Hello and welcome again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. I'm Daniel Beswick. I'll be joined by Tim Cutler and Nick Skinner in a few moments' time to chat to Cole Kutzer and Catherine Bryce. But first, some news in the Emerging game this week. Nepal's T20 International Series in Qatar, scheduled for next week, has been postponed due to increasing COVID cases and after consultation with the Ministry of Public Health in the country. It was to be new Nepali head coach Dav Watmore's first tour at the helm. Meanwhile, Nepali leg spinner Sandeep Lamachane has been retained by the Oval Invincibles ahead of the 100 after signing him for the postponed 2020 competition. On the women's side, Sarah Bryce has also signed with the team and joined sister Catherine and fellow Scott Abtaha Maksud as associate women in the competition. Catherine will turn out for the Trent Rockets in the competition while Maksud will feature for the Birmingham Phoenix. In a first for cricket in the USA, 47 women's cricketers have been named across senior team and under-19 squads for training camps this year. A senior squad of 28 players includes 10 players yet to taste international cricket, with five players picked in both the 19s and the senior groups. The USA will host the ICC T20 Women's World Cup America's Qualifier in September. UAE's Wazim Muhammad has struck an incredible 12-ball 50 against the Pune Devils at the Abu Dhabi T10 this week, including an over of 35 against Bangladeshi left-arm orthodox spinner Moni Hussain. Muhammad matched a 12-ball 50 made by Chris Gale earlier in the tournament and averages 57 with the bat at a strike rate of 274. American paceman Ali Khan leads the associate charge with seven wickets heading into the final weekend of the competition. And finally, Cricket Namibia has joined forces with Fly West Air in a two-year-long barter agreement. Fly West Air will be the preferred airline partner for the Namibians regionally and internationally, with the company supporting Cricket Namibia with domestic travel programs. That's all the news this week. For more, log on to EmergingCricket.com. But for now, two ICC Associate Players of the Decade, Catherine Bryce and Kyle Kutzer. This is Gideon Haig for what it's worth, and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Well, there were two ICC Associate Players of the Decade Award winners, and we're lucky to have both of them on the show this week. The customary welcome team. Ooh. It's a Scottish double on the show with Catherine Bryce and Kyle Kutz. So, guys, welcome to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Thanks very much for having us. Cheers. Thanks for having us. I suppose the first question, both of you guys crowned uh, ICC Associate Players of the Decade. Catherine, I'll start with you. What were the, the feelings when you scooped up that award? And for, for both of you, I suppose, uh, it was quite a, a Scottish presence, even in the nominations as well. So from a Scottish point of view, it was great. But Catherine, personally, how did, how did you feel when you were given that accolade? Yeah, I think it's just a real honour, really, to know that you've kind of been recognised um, for the award, not just for the year, but kind of a longer period of time. And like I said, just with lots of Scots um, in the nominations, I think it's just kind of shown how Scottish cricket's grown over the last 10 years. Yeah, and I think it's, it's brilliant for that. Um, before this year, I probably didn't really know um, that, that that existed. So, yeah, just when we first heard about it, um, yeah, it was just really exciting, exciting thing to, to get. 
Kyle, I'm guessing that you would have taken time out of your day lifting uh, your cement bags in the in the backyard from your vigorous home training regime when you when you found out the news. Yeah, that vigorous home training regime. Yeah, it's uh, it's going really well at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was obviously really really nice to to be recognised in that way. And you know, um, Catherine's put it nicely in the sense that you know it's good that Scottish cricket has been recognised uh, so well throughout the nominations and in the end, some of the, the awards. So very special. Uh, and yeah, it's just something that I guess we'll, myself and Catherine will treasure for, for a long time yet. And yeah, I'm, I'm with her. I didn't know whether those awards actually existed and, and if they did or did they just make them up because everyone was in lockdown to try and keep everyone occupied. So there we go. <laughs> Now, come on, it's the first time I've ever been involved in one of these. It's obviously the most important <laughs> thing they've ever done. But, Mike, so how did you find out? Did you find out with a, a package being delivered to your door and you open up and it's this painting of you? Or how, how did how were you informed? Because, you know, I think we're, all of us have never won anything in their lives and never never been voted for anything. So uh, what, how did the process go? Catherine, I'll let you go for it. Uh, so Paul called me up and let me know that I'd won the award um, and that it was going to be announced on this day and to expect a package arriving at some point in the next few days or something. And he said it was a bit of art and I wasn't really sure exactly what to expect when you get a piece of art through the door. So I was actually quite surprised when I opened it up and saw that it was actually um, uh, like it was, I think it was commissioned painting of us. So, yeah, no, it was actually quite special uh, seeing that. Because um, I'm not really sure what to expect. So, yeah, no. So, did you guys, did you hang it up? I was going to ask. The like same. in your own homes? Like you just have a picture of yourself? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's ultimate. <laughs> Still trying to decide where it goes. <laughs> yeah, my, my experience was fairly similar with Paul Paul McCurry kindly phoned, phoned me up and said, look, there, there's there's something potentially coming your way. I'm not really allowed to announce it, but what's your address? That was pretty much the, the long part of it. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound dodgy at all <laughs> at these times, does it? Yeah. It... it, it is kind of sitting up somewhere in, in one of the rooms in the house, but I, I've got to say the uh, the colour coding doesn't quite go because mine's a bright yellow and orange type of picture with a, and I'm actually playing a really nice thick inside edge through midwicket, no doubt, <laughs> in, the, in the picture. So mine is, uh, hasn't quite found its home yet, but uh, it did come with another 25 copies or something. I don't know if yours came with another 25 copies. Yeah, loads of little prints of it. <laughs> nice Christmas present coming up for, for 2021 for all your friends and family, I suppose. Yeah, a, a token token giveaway <laughs> for anyone. But no, obviously, really, really nice to get those. Though uh, I was, I was just going to ask. You know, this is probably a point of conjecture, but both of you are all rounders. Kyle, you might probably tell people that, that you are. <laughs> Although I have seen a few. It's my favourite, definitely. <laughs> I've seen a few of those media paces being rolled out again. Are there any uh, plans to get into the uh, the bowling crease for the national side again? Well, I've just been watching the T10 and I think it's Ansari from Oman, yes. who's, I would say, slightly older than me from what I remember his age being. But he's coming, he's running in nice and gentle and then just slinging down some some round arms. So I, I reckon there's still maybe an opportunity there in, uh, to get it underneath the bat, possibly. So any opportunity to bowl um, might bring them, them up at some stage. <laughs> in terms of you guys now in 2021, and, and we know the situation, we've talked about it at length, and we know that, you know, some places have coped with it worse than others give us paint us a picture of of what you guys are doing in in your winter at the moment to to kind of prep for the future Catherine I'll start with you yeah I think it's quite difficult in Scotland at the moment there is the opportunity to still still train but it's just 
finding the facilities to get in because uh, obviously the, the main base that we have at Cricket Scotland is in a school and that's obviously shut down at the moment so facilities are difficult uh, to find in Scotland but I'm lucky enough to be uh, down in Loughborough at the moment because we're at university and we're still able to train here um, on the elite programme so the gym's still open and we're still able to get, get in and we're in like small bubbles about five or six um, but I think to still be able to to actually bat and bowl and get into a proper gym as well will, will make a big difference. But I think it's a real struggle um, in Scotland to kind of keep everyone going because obviously there's a long, long winter from last time, a little bit of cricket in the summer. And then there was a bit of training towards the back end and start kind of going into when we're supposed to go away um, in November time. But there's not been a massive, massive amount of time um, for people to get in so hopefully things will open up a little bit more but it'll be yeah it'll be a big effort from the girls to kind of keep themselves going um, at home and be ready to go as soon as we're able to get back in. So you did that you're obviously you're as you said you're lucky enough to be um, able to access those facilities at, at, at Loughborough but you know looking to the rest of the Scottish team um, you know not all of you do have that access so what are the rest of the girls doing for you know you know just trying to stay in form and, and stay sharp in, in you know a, a time when it's it's very difficult yeah so most of them are kind of doing workouts at home running around on any park they can find that's not got snow on it um but I think it's just trying to find little ways whether it's just getting out in the garden and um, turning your arm over or just like catch a few balls against the wall. I think a few people doing a bit of shadow batting um, and things like that, just to kind of keep your eye in as much as possible and just be as ready as possible for when you can get back outside again. You're down in, in, in Loughborough uh, playing Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy Cricket as well with, with your sister. How important has it been for you guys? You guys are probably some of the, the luckier associate cricketers who have been able to play I suppose, some full-member domestic cricket. Um, you guys performed excellently in that particular tournament. How important is that to kind of keep you, I suppose, going as well, knowing that you've, you've got that to, to back on and, and I imagine uh, some great coaching and, and great facilities there too? Yeah, I think it was really important in the summer to have something to aim for uh, towards the back end. And, yeah, it kind of gave a, a big focus to this winter as well. Um, and we've got great coaching down here. And obviously we've got kind of that program set out for this summer as well. Um, so just kind of having that focus throughout this winter, kind of leading into that, um, I think it's really important. Bez mentioned, you know, having something to play for, you know, both your sister and yourself are now full-time contracted players. What does that mean and how, how will your life change this summer onwards now that you've, uh, you've signed those contracts with the Lightning? Yeah, I think it's been really valuable. It's probably come at quite a good time. So I'm going to finish university this year and kind of lead on to it. So I've not had a kind of gap in time where we've had to try and find a job and and also try and play cricket at the same time. So I think having that knowledge that actually you can just play cricket full time and do a few bits and bobs on the side, but not having to worry about having a full time job and training almost professionally as well um, and trying to be able to play, I think is really, really valuable um, so we can really focus on, on cricket. Will this contract allow you to be completely a cricketer or the level of these still mean you'll need to, to take some part-time work? Yeah, I think where we are as well in Loughborough, where things aren't quite as expensive either, it does give you the opportunity to basically do it full-time and topped up as well with 100 contracts as well. Um, it's definitely definitely that opportunity. And just sort of looking a bit to, you know, obviously the rest of the team who, who aren't necessarily able to say that they have these contracts, how does that affect the standard of play because 
you know, obviously a, a team like England, all of their players are professional and they can focus full time. Whereas you know, a lot of the Scottish players do have to have other jobs and that, you know, I, I know that they do train a lot, but just the, having that dual focus would definitely, uh, you know, reduce their ability to uh, concentrate on cricket. Yeah, definitely. I think it's always been quite difficult. I've probably been lucky over the last 10 years or so. There's been quite a few people coming through like the education system and things like that. So you've not you've been able to kind of focus a bit more on cricket. But there's definitely more people now that when when you come out of that, you've got to there's a point where you've got to not necessarily pick but you've got to start focusing on a, a bit of a career as well. Um, I think it just takes a lot of dedication from the girls to give up pretty much every single weekend that they've got um, to be able to train, but also coming in the evenings after they've worked um, and also finding time before or after, after work to get to the gym to be able to kind of keep up the level of training that's needed to, to play cricket. On the other side, Kyle, I think to, to your time in, in county cricket and now in the, the world that we are in and, and with the ECB being the way that they are, it's, it's been really difficult for a number of players from associate countries and playing for associate teams actually really struggle to, to find themselves picking up work in the county system, which at one point there was, was almost a staple for, for yourself and, and a few other players. And to have that taken away from you and I know we talked about this at, at length in in previous shows but how much does does that affect you personally and, and how does that shape what you intend to to do with your with your cricket you know into the future yeah um the opportunities you know especially now are obviously very very limited but trying to find avenues for for players to develop in the male and female game is, is something that cricket Scotland need to to consider very very carefully uh, what methods and what routes they are, you know, might change. But, you know, there, there are some of these tournaments that pop up around the world, which these are considerable options for people to try and develop their careers. And it, and it's it's how do you how do you make sure that you can get a few of your players in just to get that little bit extra exposure? It, it's It's an avenue that other associate teams and including ourselves have looked at to try and continue to develop our, our own. Um, and, and it's about playing cricket, finding opportunities, finding games, finding competition, finding pressure for players to learn to play. Even even if players are, are traveling the world to be overseas pros, for example, or players travel to play as a pro in, in the English leagues or, or somewhere else in, in, the, in, the, in the country, perhaps, or somewhere else in the world. So I know players are certainly finding it tougher to, to find county opportunities for one reason or another, but that's just a, another evolving hurdle that we have to deal with in associate cricket. I think looking now, we, we have uh, the Abu Dhabi T10 that, that's going on at the moment, and, and we'll probably talk about that at, at some stage and how that affects things. But I think back to a year or so ago when we talked about uh, the global T20 in, in Canada, and that was a great opportunity at seen from the outside looking in for a number of players from the associate world to, to pick up a contract, play in a tournament. But unfortunately, it didn't exactly turn out like that. And and FIKA have come out with, with some pretty damning evidence in regards to players' uh, payments or a lack thereof. And and you're, you and, and the likes of Anshi Rath and, and other people that we've spoken to found financial hardship being in that situation where contracts weren't adhered to by employers and it left a lot of you guys in the lurch. So what was it like to to be given that opportunity to, to be sort of thrown that opportunity only to have it, you know, a, a negative ending to that story. Yeah. Look, it, it throws in unnecessary 
pressures and challenges that you you would rather not not have you know you're going away to try and compete and and ultimately show what you're capable of and growing your your career and your reputation but it's also the associate players especially you know who who get one chance in a blue moon sometimes at these tournaments it's playing with guys livelihoods as well so yeah it's it's unnecessary you know i i suspect in a lot of cases it's probably just a little bit of organization and attention to detail that that goes missing at times but you know on the, on the flip side i guess it is an opportunity for for people to to show show what skills they have when they do get get on show uh, it's just there are distractions there that you could do without having to worry whether or not you've gone there and you've you've potentially paid for your own flights and are you going to get the money back etc etc so that's just that's just part of it at the moment but hopefully with the assistance of fika and the, and the players associations and um the icc hopefully you know these tournaments can get nailed down and and some of that stuff can get cleared out yeah you would like to think that the players can can concentrate on playing because you know ultimately you guys are the most important component in these competitions if it's not for you guys then there's nothing to watch looking towards uh the abu dhabi t10 at the moment we have seen a few nepali players and yeah a couple of omanis and and uncapped uae representatives were you particularly surprised that there perhaps was wasn't more of an associate presence of that tournament yeah, I, I guess got to be a li- little conscious um, with what I say around this because there are a lot of UAE players in the tournament, which which makes sense because it's in the UAE, obviously. So so there is a, a pretty strong associate presence there. But in terms of it's it, in many ways, it seemed a bit of a closed door. You know, my my involvement there. You know, and and there's a there's a couple of other people that I know were in in the draft, perhaps, and it seemed as if players are already had a shoe in through contact or other. So it did seem a little bit of a closed door and there were some, certainly some interesting picks. So yeah, I guess that's just frustrating, you know, um, from a Scottish point of view, but you know, I'm, I'm always one to be pushing the the cause of associate cricket as a, as a whole. And it would be nice to see players from all, all countries getting an opportunity because you've seen how, especially a couple of the UAE players have, have really stood up, I think, um, which has been good to see. Yeah. That's something that often, I, I sort of feel is that these leagues, they don't quite see the value of associate players. And, and do you, I don't know if you've sort of felt this in your career, either of you, just the, the idea that, oh, well, you're from Scotland, so, you know, they're a bit more reluctant. You know, they don't think, you know, they don't take you seriously as a player maybe or just the idea that, and it's, it's an associate country, so, well, they're not going to be as good as someone from a full member when we, we all know that's not true. Yeah, that's certainly a frustration where it does appear, I'm not not sure it's the case exactly, but it does appear that we may well get looked over as associate players or, you know, let's say, for example, there's a, a Kiwi player as opposed to a, a Scottish player. The general feel would be the, the Kiwi player would get picked and maybe fair so as well. Maybe maybe they do get picked as well. But I, I just think, you know, the way Catherine and her sister played in the in the tournaments in, in England so far has shown that, you know, it doesn't take a lot for, for players to be successful. Uh, it just needs an opportunity and a platform for that to happen. So I think we'll, we're, we'll always be fighting a, an uphill battle with that, especially in the next few years. But hopefully we can start to start to turn that corner and, and people start to see the value of associate cricketers. Well, speaking of that as well, I think we were pretty well, annoyed, don't want to sound too emotional, but uh, surprised that perhaps more associate cricketers, especially from Thailand, weren't considered 
for the WBBL. Mm. You know, and I'm thinking Thailand recency bias, even seeing them in action in, the, in a World Cup and, and do well to see players that had worse numbers in the World Cup being picked. And I, I think that both of you have had experience in, in, in full member, now franchise cricket, I guess now with um, with Catherine coming in to the 100. But I guess my question is to, to Catherine, you know, we hear, you know, Kyle talking about the lack of opportunities, but he's been able to play franchise cricket in, in Hong Kong, in Canada, and in Nepal, what's the way forward for talented women's associate cricketers? You know, we've seen Fairbreak as a charity come NGO championing women's tournaments. Um, we haven't seen too many franchise events. You know, one one in Nepal pop up. But what's the future there for for the experience for associate women's cricketers? I think it's kind of similar on some of what Kyle said about actually the exposure of like that top level cricket because I think sometimes unless you've kind of been compared they see you your numbers kind of being compared to the best teams they kind of take them with a bit of pinch of salt and there was actually a few Thailand players that played in the women's IPL which was fantastic to see but I think that showed the value of them being at a World Cup and performing on at the top stage in a World Cup. So that kind of catches people's eyes a bit more than possibly the World Cup qualifiers. And hopefully with um, the Scotland men having been England, that sticks out a bit more and performing against England who are this number one ODI team, actually. I think that really helps to raise the profile of these people and people kind of take you a bit more seriously. So I think if you can play more matches against these top teams um, and perform against them, that, that really helps helps the cause. And I think sometimes, yeah, it's seen as all oh, the associates are below um, or whatever in that sense. But yeah, if we can get that high high quality exposure, then that'll help. Well, that's the, the challenge, isn't it? You know, I thought the World Cup qualifiers in Dundee were, were amazing and some of the most competitive cricket that we, we've watched. Mm. And I guess as an associate, you would have been cheering to see Thailand beat Ireland like they did, but you know that's one of the one of the tightest matches and the most you know nervous I've been. I can remember w- watching cricket, but you know it's all well and good talking about getting big matches, but when you've got smaller World Cups, it makes it really really hard, doesn't it? You know the fact that you've got full member nations missing out on on the World Cup as as Ireland did, and and that spot going to Thailand, remembering that uh, the Zimbabwe weren't there either because they weren't at the event. So it's really tough when you know you're right about again that that exposure that Thailand got, but yet you you're fighting for scraps you know we've talked before in the podcast about the, the, how great it is that there's an under 19 women's world cup coming and how great that has been on the men's side to have teams on that regional basis have exposure to global level that perhaps wouldn't have made it through a, a global qualifier you know the likes of japan and, and, and nigeria i think it's fair to say that pitted against the best in the world but then you look at the women's event and that, and you think well are they going to have the same size event probably not and, and it's how does that make you feel when you when you look at the, the those chances across the world and and how women's cricket is growing to see that those chances really reduced yeah it's quite frustrating and i think you've seen it in other sports that actually teams that you don't think are going to make an impact come in and beat one of the best teams in the world and shock people and that's some sometimes some of the most exciting games and I think it shows like that Thailand Ireland game was so close and could have gone either way and actually Thailand were there and competed really well against the likes of the West Indies and, and Pakistan as well didn't quite get over the line and if that was so close against Ireland then there are teams the next level below like Bangladesh Ireland hopefully Scotland and PNG even coming through that if you can play those games more consistently actually you are going to be able to put put on a good show at the at the global level and hopefully if that happens more often then yeah they'll be more willing 
to do. So we've seen quite a few, you know, international series get cancelled or, well, <laughs> postponed as as the, the lingo is now. But it, it does seem like women's cricket is getting the short end of the stick in terms of series being pushed back or, or put in the bin. Do you think that's a bit of a, you know, a resource disparity in the same way as, you know, we talk about associates and Vaughan members? There's sort of a similar thing going on with women's cricket generally and um, and men's cricket as kind of the, the more lucrative uh, side of the game and you know especially women's associate cricket that's that's the double whammy so you know full members are starting to come back with bilateral series because they have the resources to run bubbles and you know biosecure areas and all, all that sort of stuff but you know do you think for you guys as you know a women's associate cricket team or you know even Kyle as as you know captaining the men's team is it is it a lot harder for you guys to get these series going just just because you can't afford to set up you know biosecure bubbles yeah, I think so. I think it's really difficult. Like you said, you're not able to kind of put together that isolation kind of pre and getting there and being in biosecure bubbles. So there's not the same kind of security around like the safety of everyone uh, traveling and going away. So I think that's obviously really challenging at the moment. Yeah. And until your budget kind of doubles or triples um, to be able to do that, I think it'll always be quite challenging to get away. And yeah, like with the, the men's stuff, obviously that's probably going to bring in and more funding from TV rights and things like that. So it's probably at the moment that's that's what the biggest challenge is. I think the ECB did it really well last summer in terms of really uh, championing women's cricket and said actually we're going to stick to what we said and kind of contracted the same the five players um, that they plan to and put a real effort into getting um, the women's competition off the ground. But Again, it's a bit easier when you've got a bigger budget there. So I think for all the associate nations around the world, it's it's a lot more challenging at the moment to, to kind of organise these series, but also have the security of knowing that they're going to kind of go ahead as well. Just to, yeah, to touch on that, like it's, it's obviously going to be really hard to get back to some kind of uh, of competition. And, and there's there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes by um people who aren't furloughed in the Cricket Scotland office. So I think there has to be some kind of testing in some in some way put in place because let's be let's be realistic this this issue with traveling around the world is going to be around for let's say a year but if not longer you know next couple of years if not forever you know I'll maybe take that last comment away because we hope it's it disappears. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but I think what we're probably crying out for and what other associates are probably crying out for is, is a, as a testing method that is is affordable, that we can find a way to, you know, if camps come together, for example, if squad squads come together for a, a week or, or let's say two days, three days, at the start of those three days, at least everyone gets tested. And you know at the start of those three days that, you know, you're giving yourself a good chance that everyone is fine and fair to train. And then people may return and, and go home in between, which, you know, we just simply don't have the money to, to keep people in bubbles for longer. So at least there is some sort of method there to test people at the start of the camp, do the training and somehow minimize the amount that people would travel around when they are in that camp, in that bubble, so to speak, and then go away. Look, you'll never completely eradicate chance of infection for people, but having some kind of affordable testing company you know, if there's any out there, anyone who listens to this this pod, it would be it would be helpful if you'd throw, put your hand up in the air and if you're interested in helping progress uh, associate cricket, uh, just all cricket in general, and that that might be a way. 
it's just popped into my head here and, and knowing that travelling around will be quite difficult to do. I mean, you've got a good record against England in international cricket in recent times. Mm. Why not tee up another series with them? <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be good. I mean, listening to one of your previous books, the, the belt. Yes. Um, we, did, we did have hold of the belt for a little while. I can't remember how many days it, it was for, but we did hold it for a little while. Unofficial um, world champions. It's quite, a, quite an interesting, but a good concept because it included us so obviously i'm gonna i'm gonna back it but uh yeah a series against england would obviously be great uh the, you saw how the irish managed to do it last year but things are never never straightforward uh, or as straightforward as we would hope they would be but um fingers crossed there now speaking of things not being straightforward not too many people well i guess no one in the future due to changes by the icc about minimum ages so i guess no one in the future will ever make their international debut at age 13. Um, Catherine, how does it feel to well, start an international career so young, but to have so much pressure on you as such a key player in a developing team and as captain? How has that af- affected you as a, as a as a cricketer, as a leader, as a, as a person, as you sort of, you know, got a long way to look forward, you know? <laughs> Hoping I'm, I'm, you know, I've already predicted there'll be a Bryce. It'll be the year of the, uh, the, the next decade um, cricketer as well. But looking back, you know, how do how do you think being exposed to international cricket at, at such a young age has has affected you? Um, I think it probably helped sometimes when you're just kind of thrown a, a bit at the deep end. Um, you just get on with it, and yeah, luckily come out the right side of it as well. So probably had to learn quite a lot as I went along. It wasn't definitely wasn't. Um, prepared for it necessarily as you got into it but just kind of having the support around you and then also having the opportunities that I've been able to have traveling and going away and just really helped kind of develop you as you go along and then taking over the captaincy as well I'd been vice captain for a couple of years and then Abby was still still around still is around when I took over the captaincy so having someone that had done it for so many years just really helped knowing that you you had that had that someone's turn to that had all the experience um and I think as a women's team we'd not had that much experience in global tournaments anyway and um, I think the first one we went to was Thailand 2015 so that was yeah a really exciting opportunity to have at such a young age then but I think the important thing is just for me to kind of pass that on as much as possible to the ones coming into the team and saying it's all right to not necessarily feel like you're ready but just keep on working hard and yeah I think as captain I just aim to perform as well as possible and kind of lead the, lead the team that way I think there's always been a fair bit of pressure to do well and I think that's your job really is to score runs and take take wickets and so yeah, it's just, yeah, just learning to kind of embrace that and not see it as a negative, but actually use that to to push you on and just become the best possible cricketer. Yeah. Looking back, and we did talk about franchise, franchise cricket a little bit earlier, you were an associate rookie for the Stars, um, the Melbourne Stars in 2016-17. What did you gain out of out of the, the lessons there? I know it's not a particularly long time to be with that group, but I'm sure you would have taken a, a lot in at that point. Yeah, definitely. Just kind of being around that professional setup, the Super League was fairly fresh still at that point in England. And I just kind of started at university. So being able to go and like experience that sort of competition, which was very high intensity and everyone was, was already really professional over there. I think a lot of their state players were also professional cricketers. So just to kind of be around that environment and know where you needed to get to, to be able to to perform at the best level, um, just kind of took a lot from that, but also just learning about how to learn off people as much as possible and kind of taking as much as possible in such a short period of time. 
Yeah, looking at that that squad now, uh, Nat Siva, of course, Meg Lanning, a couple of higher class international cricketers. Was there anything anything in particular that stands out from perhaps one of those two individuals and, and how they went about their business just because they're at that peak of, of international women's cricket? Or was it more a case of, well, actually, like they're just like you and me. That's where I need to get to. And, and realistically, that's not that far away. Yeah, I think a a bit of both, really, in terms of they have to do the same things. They have to go to every training session and work hard. They have to go to the gym, do their running sessions and everything like that. They just have that same intensity at everything and just keep pushing the barrier, really. Um, I just remember one game where Meg Lanning scored like 60-odd and came off and was disappointed and think that's when you realise as well that actually she wasn't just happy doing pretty well. Like she wanted to push on and win the game or, or whatever. So just kind of not settling for, for where you're at, but just constantly pushing the barrier. Now, Catherine's sort of at the start of her tenure as captain. And, and Kyle, you've been you've been skipper for a while. And I guess now's perhaps the time you, you might be able to start looking at, you know, your legacy and, you know, where does Scotland go from here? You know, you, you've had a, a decent time in charge. And so, so I, I'm sort of wondering where you think the next step for the team is and you know what you've helped them achieve over your time in uh, as as captain yeah i guess in terms of where we see or where we'd like to see scottish cricket go you know i guess it's there there is no ceiling with that you know we we want to to see the men and the women's game grow we want to see the participation levels grow um i mean, i think these are all fairly easy answers really for me to give and and it's probably more about how how do we actually get there and and how can we how can we develop our players as quickly as possible? How can we win the games that we need to win to keep ticking those boxes and getting a step closer to, to potential full member status and, and whatever that full member status actually means when it when it does come around, because I'm confident it will, it's how we get there. So in terms of the point that you raise about my captaincy, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the way things are going at the moment. Uh, I'm constantly trying to keep communicating, keep speaking to the players, speaking to the staff to make sure that we're, we're headed in an aligned direction. And I'm also, uh, I'm not sure whether I said it on, on our podcast last time, um, but I'm also very open to moving on in terms of the, the captaincy, if, if that's the right thing to do for the team. So I, I, I love doing it. I, I hope that I can play a, a part for as long as as long as my body allows me and as long as the development direction is right for the team uh, and then we'll see we'll see where that takes us but for me the end goal would be well we've got a couple really but the the final end goal would be hopefully seeing the the team to full member status however that looks and and trying to play in a couple more world cups along the way so um the t20 world cups obviously this year october november time and it would be I think a real target for us is getting through those those group stages. Do you feel a bit like uh, Moses shepherding the uh, the team to the promised land of of full membership? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. That's the senior figure. <laughs> not at all. Uh, it's it's just yes, yes, I do, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's just where we are as a an organization at the moment and I'm I'm fortunate to be tasked uh, and and partly given the responsibility because it's not just mine because it's everyone's who who is there and we we see that as a, a wholesome picture that we all have to play our part to get there because there's not one person or player that will will help us get to where we want to get to but our role certainly and our job of reaching full member status certainly involves the women progressing as they have done so rapidly uh, as well so 
uh, that's a big picture. And I can only highlight that when, when the qualifiers were on at Dundee, I think we were playing games at, at Clydesdale against the MCC and we were watching on, on our phones in the dressing room, cheering them on. And there was, you know, cheers and whatnot coming out of the, the dressing room, um, whatever stage of the day it was. But uh, we're, we're heavily behind seeing the, the women's game develop and what Catherine and, and the team can do. So, yeah, it's all part of it. We, we, we just, um, it's just about getting there and, and getting the processes right, I guess, to get there. Um, so I guess, yeah, just give us a bit of an update on, term, you know, just in terms of where Scotland's at with that target. And, you know, you, you haven't announced a, a specific year. Like I know the Netherlands and the USA have both both put a firm time date. But you know, what's what's the um, progress that Scotland's making on, on full membership? Yeah, the, the, there's there's criteria that, that needs to be met. Exactly the complete detail of it, I, I, I won't remember off the top of my head, but it... it it involves beating a certain amount of um, top ten full full member nations. So, so if you beat a side that's sitting currently outside that top ten, those those games won't count. There is a requirement for the women's team to compete and get into a World Cup, and that that's part of the, the I guess the tick box exercise. But I I think and I I would hope that you know some of these um, box ticking exercises and these things put in place are there to help guide but i would certainly hope that if if a team whether it be us the dutch usa whether we tick a lot of those boxes but maybe not all that doesn't mean that you can achieve that full member status if, if you're in a position to to show and prove that your structure is good enough you're developing players you're competing at the highest level you're you're beating some full member teams you would hope that 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 would show that you're you're capable of performing uh, and and sitting amongst that elite group so to speak but i i certainly can't see um that there was as big a box ticking exercise when bangladesh back in the day were there or or even for that matter when the irish and the afghans um became full members i'm, I'm pretty sure that was all all uh, made after after all of that so it again it's a, it's another hurdle isn't it that, that gets put in front of us to try and reach where we want to reach but it is what it is and we have to deal with it so i hope that answers answers your question yeah yeah, yeah. The, the next one so both of you um are you know professional athletes um and there was very little cricket that actually happened in 2020 did you did it feel like a sort of a wasted year for, for both of your careers obviously you know an athlete's career is limited and kyle you mentioned your body um you know trying to play as long as you, you physically can and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, did, did, did it feel like a, a waste or do you, what do you think you achieved last year? It's a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough question. Uh, was it a waste? Uh, I guess it was a slowing up of, of any development, perhaps. You know, I, I fully believe that players can still find a way to, to try and develop. You know, it might be challenging. They could learn more about the game. They could listen to podcasts like this to try and learn <laughs> learn some something some of the people you get on so there are still avenues to learn but in terms of the body getting a year old it seems a little disappointing for, um, from my point of view but hopefully I can and tag an extra year on the back end there somewhere but you know, look, there will be a backlog of fixtures so so will those fixtures get lost hopefully not if they're not lost hopefully it's it's not all doom and gloom but it has been certainly slow going I suppose that becomes probably the next issue that we might have. I, I mean, it is a good problem that we would have a lot of cricket all happening at one time. But looking at you know the potential of, of both your schedules, looking into the future, if we were to get a lot of cricket, all of those cricket 
World Cup League 2 fixtures still at this point set to be played. We just don't really know when. Uh, we've got two men's T20 World Cups back-to-back. And in the most selfish way possible, could you please make sure you qualify for the Australian one as well so we can watch you play <laughs> here? Um, sorry, that's just an aside. But, Catherine, for you guys as well, not only are there, there World Cups around the corner, there's the Birmingham Commonwealth Games. And mm. qualifying for that will be really tricky as well because of the number of teams. It's even more constricted than than the World Cup. And we know the situation with the West Indies, but even trying to find a qualifier to come out of there. Is there going to be an issue down the line where you go from having not enough cricket to all of a sudden being just bombarded with this game? And then after it, you almost turn to yourself and think, oh, I actually need a break from this sport. I need to do something else. Yeah, possibly. Um, Yeah, it does seem there's quite a lot of different things coming up that are to be played, but nothing really completely set in stone as to exactly when it's going to be. But I think it's just really exciting to have the opportunity to have all these things. So hopefully... Um, it comes at a good time and everyone everyone in the team's in a good place and we've had the opportunity to kind of prepare for those sorts of fixtures and yeah it's obviously challenging it'll be challenging to qualify for the Commonwealth Games as well but I think if we could do that then that again the increased exposure to something quite different and a lot of people watch sort of the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games that might end up watching cricket that would have never really just switched on the TV and stuck at it so hopefully things like that will help continue to grow the game but hopefully everyone enjoy just being able to play as much cricket as possible having had this year and it won't take too many people out um but yeah just thinking with and you brought up the olympics and i know scotland's situation is a little bit different being part of team gb but if cricket was to be an olympic sport kyle how important do you think that would be in in you know driving this vehicle of cricket you know on, on a global stage yeah, it'd be, it'd be huge, wouldn't it? it? It would obviously bring in extra funding options to to help grow the game and, you know, increase participation. And, and I think it's just get get the game on TVs for, for people to watch. You know, I, I always remember as a youngster the impact it had in me when, when I saw Scotland competing at a World Cup, you know, and obviously the Olympics would be slightly different to that. But, you know, I, I think it's an avenue that seems to have been missed or an avenue that's been quite tricky to get into, possibly. But it's one that one that's a necessity, and, and I think it'd be amazing to see the sport at, at the Olympics. And, and just thinking of that 99 World Cup, you know, the likes of of Hamilton and, and a number of those players who, who stood up and, and represented Scotland on, on the world stage. And again, you know, for many people, that's probably the first time they potentially saw Scotland on TV. And you guys have had your own sort of famous televised moments as well. So is it almost a bit frustrating that, you know, you guys have, have kept delivering on the world stage, but potentially the opportunities haven't quite been as, as forthcoming as they potentially should be? Yeah, look, it's been a strange... Well, actually, before I say that, you know, the impact that 99 World Cup did have for me, and I mentioned it recently, and, and I'll, I'll admit it now that I actually had one of my passport photos taken with us, one of the, the Scotland 99 shirts on. So oh. for, years I, for years I had that photo in there. Amazing. It's such a good shirt too. <laughs> um, so, so the impact it had on, on youngsters, you know, I guess that was the first real sort of exposure for Cricket Scotland on the world stage. But yeah, the, the, those, those tournaments are, are huge and, and it's, great to, you know, it's great to see moments of, of your country playing on the TV and, and giving the option to the, the people in your country to be able to watch it and, and the people around the world because there's some great followers, followers of associate cricket. Speaking of the, the tough World Cup qualifying campaign in Zimbabwe where we ended up not quite getting through after losing to the West Indies, 
uh, and a rain affected game in the end and the following in the the news and the the, the comments people were sending myself alone were just pretty spectacular really so the, the following for these these tournaments are, are massive and uh, the the drive that and the exposure that it gives us as players um, is, is huge and it's the only way forward really so so hopefully finding avenues to get associate competitions on tv more regularly um any bilateral series that go on um get them up streamed you know i think these are these are vital to, to, to continue growing the game can i can i ask can i can i ask just just a, a question for me because um obviously it's your job to uh find out all this uh, really interesting content for for your listeners do you are you constantly following and reading um all the articles out there or are you are you because you seem to be on on point every time or majority of the time with a lot of the, the the content um how do you how do you keep up the speed with it um you know i know i've got two kids running around they're just trying to find this is the first time someone's (laughs) turned it around on us this is great (laughs) carl's doing the interviews now (laughs) yeah i'm just interested because i've you know i've got two kids and um do various other things to keep myself busy lines of work and stuff like that and but i don't know how you guys keep up with all the all the detail all the time what what's going on do you just i've got i've got two kids too and uh, you're talking to them on this podcast (laughs) 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 uh I well, I look. <laughs> a- a- answering that for for the three people on this, you know, you've got Nick, who not only edits the podcast that everyone's listening to, and a funny story about that is that we were approached by a, a pro uh, audio engineer who said, "Look, uh, whoever is producing and cutting your podcast at the moment, I know I can do it for half the price." <laughs> What's half of it, zero? Uh, <laughs> does he pay you? I, does he pay you? <laughs> I don't. I don't think he can. So, yeah. what a what a great uh, yeah exactly a vote of confidence for his so, um, and also writes the global game articles uh, for the ICC every week. So he has to be on top of that because a lot a lot of the time those stories are what we haven't covered and stuff that have just been just been picked up. And Bez and I do a lot of the editing of all the stories that come through EmergingCricket.com as well. So there is a chance that one of us has seen everything that we've written and also in Nick's case, what we what we haven't written about, what hasn't hasn't made the funny pages of, uh, of EC. So um, I think it's fair to say that we're obsessed, Kyle, <laughs> is, is probably is the answer to that. So um, cricket tragic, yeah. But uh, we'll take that. I'll take that as a, as a, as, a, uh, as a compliment from you, a backhanded one. But uh, you know, it's I'll take it, take it when you can. But um, no, but look, look, we're just the pointy end, end of it as well. Like behind us, there's 20 volunteers around the world producing content interviewing players writing stuff for ec it's just that lucky that it all filters through us so if it wasn't for them it would you know we'd be a lot less informed and i guess that's the whole point of it as well get those those stories out but thanks a lot kyle kurtz it tells yeah. you yeah I, th- I think i think it's i think it's uh, it's you know it's a great podcast obviously i'm not it's it's good the um the exposure that you you're trying to give the emerging cricket um so well done to you you guys good work thank you very much kyle um, it is much appreciated, but it, it, you know we wouldn't have much to, to talk about if there weren't. Well, heroes really the game like like you both out no, there. Well, I think I think I'll be more than more than happy, Tim, to uh, send you through one of those excellently color coded um, images of my thick inside edge through, so you can stick it on the background of your podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Kyle turning the tables and asking a question to us concludes part one of our chat with him and Catherine Bryce. We'll have part two next week on the show. Make sure to subscribe to the Emerging Cricket Podcast if you haven't done so already so you can tune in as soon as it drops every week. Pass the pot around and make sure to give us a five-star review. If you want to support us financially, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Emerging Cricket where you can support us from as little as $2 US a month. You'll get extended cuts to a number of our shows and you'll have a say on the show's direction. For now, on behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Cutler, and myself, Daniel Beswick. See you next week.